to the show. I'm uh, golf spiritual leader and coach Tamerback. And this is Swing Thoughts. You know that because you're a Swing Thought devotee, or an STD, as we like to call it. Hi, Tim. Hello. Hello. Good to see you. Good to see you. Back in the... Back in the saddle behind the microphone after your adventurous week. Yeah, and we got a lot to uh, discuss this uh, this show. It's a. Uh, I, th- I think we've done this before, but I thought I would. Uh, we would do some of the. We'll start with. Uh, I have an opening statement, then I'll let you ask some questions. <laughs> but uh, we'll get to all that. I hope you're well. Tim O'Connor, O'ConnorGolf.ca. Check out his blog. Subscribe to it. Don't unsubscribe to it, though. You silly bastards. Uh, O'Connor Golf's, uh, yeah, and then Humble and Fred show about uh, three, four weeks from now, celebrating our 10th anniversary of being independently podcasting uh, pioneers. And uh, I can't believe how far that, how how fast that time has gone. And, and also you and I celebrating, you tell me, five or six years we've been doing this? Six years. Wow. And we're still talking to each other in a nice way. Well, for the most time, most part. Um, JW Apparel Inc. Uh, looking good there in uh, your. Uh, I'm gonna guess is that a B Dratty polo shirt? This is a this is a fair wearing green whale of a tail shirt. Yeah, it looks good, man. I'm wearing. Uh, I think this is. Uh, I can't. I can't take it off to show you, but it's that cool green vest that I wear when I remember this I'm supposed to wear. Is it? Yep. I have the same piece. I'm a little different color. You know, I've got a I've got a, a lot of emotions to work through with you today, but one of them is the fact that I'm bummed out that I after yesterday's uh last hole slash incident, I uh left a uh really nice long sleeved zero restriction shirt in the cart. And oh. I, I didn't even know, you know, okay, foreshadowing. Uh spoiler alert. Uh <laughs> GSL played the wrong ball in competition. Uh, details to follow. Uh, anyway, I didn't even realize I'd left it in the car till I got home. <clears throat> I was like, oh, yeah, where's that? And it's the same kind of color as this, but... Uh, well, can't they be nice people and send it back to you? I don't know. Do Come people on. do that? Yeah. You're playing in a nice golf club? I would say that would be good service. All right, well, I'll ask them. Um, so thanks to Jonathan Wong and, of course, our good friends at TaylorMade. Everyone's a buzz talking about the 790s, the new ones. Uh, lots of people at the tournament I was at last week playing the Sim Drivers. <clears throat> In fact, I don't think there was. Maybe there was one. I, I really saw a lot of TaylorMade stuff. You know, there's other brands, too. We don't mention them here. <laughs> but they uh, one of them rhymes we with we don't, uh, we don't hate them but <laughs> what does it rhyme with it really rhymes with uh, smitalist <laughs> is that what you do is that what you do with your sword you smitalist I smitalist this anyway we don't play we don't talk about those guys but there was some of that but there was a lot of. Uh, I was interested too because even in guys' golf clubs where they're not playing tailor made, say, irons, it seems that everyone's got a sim too. At least one. Yeah. What, one, of my, um, one of my players yesterday uh, get her golf bag and put it in my trunk. And, hey, you got a sim too? She says, yep. 
got this for my birthday. No. Yeah. Actually, for Christmas. Do you want to... Uh, why don't we do this? Why don't we start a little bit with some university stuff? Because we'll, we'll, we're going to do an hour or so, uh, usually maybe a little less. But why don't we parse mm-hmm. it out in this way? We'll start with a little bit of a, a university review. Then... Uh, I think we talked Ryder Cup, but then we can do uh, we can talk about uh, the senior am and uh, some of the learnings. Uh, but why don't you uh, lead us off? As I'm just trying to get some uh, do a little research here quickly. Okay. But uh, um, was yesterday your guys' uh, first tournament? It was. It was the first OUA golf tournament, men's and women's, in two years. Yes, and uh, it tell was me at about it. Lo- lovely St. Thomas. Uh, golf club which <laughs> took <laughs> took its pound of flesh oh, from yeah. a lot of players oh my gosh what a golf a beautiful stanley thompson golf course probably the most devilish greens in ontario yeah my goodness i'm playing um, the uh, hey. early bird there next saturday and sunday and i uh i always look forward to it until about the third or fourth three putt i'm like oh yeah yeah i remember this now Exactly, exactly. Anyways, uh, it was a good start for the uh, Guelph Griffins. Our men's team finished first, which was nice. Um, Our top player, Justin Allen, who's our men's captain, uh, tied for first with 72, which is – and the day before, man, get this. The day before, putted everything out. He shot 63. I'm sorry, at St. Thomas? At St. Thomas. Justin Allen. How old is this kid? Three. Oh, I think he's like, he's 20 or 21. Wow. 63. I was getting uh, alerts. I was getting alerts on my phone from the guy, you know, one of the guys who's playing with him, uh, Jack uh Harrison. But they were playing a practice round. Yeah, the day before. 63. There was the, uh, Jack said it was just going around the golf course like, crazy um that's nine under par yeah incredible can we just hold on can we just sit with that for a second sure because (laughs) you know i've played there over the years probably the last six or seven years and uh you know i love the golf course but it is really really difficult and for him to shoot that kind of score he's an extra that's an extraordinary achievement absolutely and i so Kudos to Jim Waite, longtime member at St. Thomas. Uh, he's a organizer of the Early Bird, and um, anyway, so it was just really nice of, of Jim uh, during the award ceremony yesterday to take a moment to sing, to acknowledge what Justin had done, and and Jim told me. As far as he's concerned, that's a course record. However, it's not a wasn't done in a tournament yeah so the course record remains um 64 so just recap your team didn't did nicely yep the team our men's team yeah finished first and our women's team finished two strokes out of third and with some decade-like course management could have easily been second or third hold on a second i didn't even have that ready here because usually I mention it, but you did, so yeah. you surprised me. So your your team finished first. Our, yeah, our men finished first. Our women finished uh, uh, two out of three as a team, and uh, our rookie uh, Jacqueline Giles finished third. Wow! So, great start to the Griffin Golf. Uh, well, <clears throat> like I said, if we've talked about St. Thomas before, because both of us played it last year in the 
Very late early bird. I think it was in October, wasn't it? Twas. Um, it's one of those golf courses. If it was closer to snobby Toronto, everyone would join it. It, it is a million dollars uh, to play. Yeah, it's like it's every bit as good as Toronto and Islington, St. George's, St. George's. It's in that league. I mean, OK, I'm, you know, let's give St. George's its due and Toronto its due. I mean, they're maybe a little cut above in terms of of overall course condition because it's filled with rich people. You know, St. <laughs> Thomas costs a couple thousand dollars to join. It's a beautiful golf course, but uh you know, when I first started playing it as a junior, senior, whatever, in my 50s, um, <laughs> I just thought, oh, this is this will be easy because I thought it was, you know, fairly playable. And then I remember, like I say, about out the, the country, out in the country, how hard can it be? And uh, it really is something if you're a golf nerd like us and you ever get a chance to be in London, Ontario, it's not very much money to play that golf course, but it's certainly worth it. Oh, absolutely! It's a, it's it's a hidden gem for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, well, and 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 I know that you guys only have you only play like four or five tournaments. Well, this year it's only four or five. Four Usually, or five, yeah. You know, in non-COVID years, we play at least seven, often eight invitationals, and then you've got the the OUA Championship. So, yeah, it's a short season. It's a blink of one, uh, but hey, we're off to a great start. Uh, okay. Um, I think we talked about the Ryder Cup, but we didn't talk. I, I don't think we had spoken, if uh, I recall. I don't think we talked about the team and who. Uh, I think I told you I don't like calling them Coach Stricker. I find that hokey. Coach. No, within golf's tradition. And I countered by saying it's within golf's tradition of Mr. Hogan, et cetera. Yeah, that's I know. Fine. I know. That's, fine. that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Golf's got a lot of traditions that I would like to. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, there, oh, yeah. There's one tradition in golf I would really like to change after yesterday. But uh, I, I, thought it was in, I thought it was interesting that uh, Stricker picked who he picked and who he didn't pick. I haven't yeah. heard this week because I've been um, busy grinding but uh did is brooks kepka still on that team i know he was injured but i read some of the things he said about you know how he doesn't like to be part of the team and you know and well i, I i'm not sure he was as i'm not sure he was quite as direct as he doesn't like being part of the team but i think in his brooksian way he um so I'm looking up the Ryder Cup team. No, I know you are, but you can do you can do both. You can do talky talky and looky looky. <laughs> Come on, you know, just do this, uh, just you, Tim, just do this. Oh, don't do this. Your face oh, doesn't. This. You don't need your face to read. I wish you guys could see what he was doing because he's turning. Here's what happens: he turns his head from the microphone because somehow or another he needs his lips to read. Um, what is so? What were you looking up? Now that I've outed you. Uh, I just wanted to see who was on the Euro... Remind myself who was on the Euro Ryder Cup team uh, because they... Uh, he made he made his... Patrick made his picks and... Yeah, he uh, took... Uh, I thought it was great. He took uh, Poulter. Absolutely. How, how can and you And Sergio not? Garcia. How can you not? And who was the third one that he picked? I, I can't remember. Um, golly. Okay, I'm doesn't... Sure. You know what? Oh, Lee... Oh, Lee Westwood made it on points. And, oh, I sh- should know this better. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood's on the team. I don't know. Shane Lowry, I think, got picked. 
Oh, yeah. He hasn't played yeah. that well. I could be dead wrong. I don't know. I guess, I guess, you know, I, I think of myself as well prepared, but uh, I guess I wasn't as prepared as I wanted to be. Listen, it doesn't matter. Please, let's not linger on the third pick on the European Ryder Cup team. What I wanted to talk about is what a dick Brooks Kepke is. By the oh, way, yeah, uh, we this could just... All, we could all, we're all in agreement on that. First, uh, a quick uh, text here from Rudra Rishi Maharaj, humbling, uh, humbling friend, or swing thoughts. Uh, well, he's a humbling friend. Uh, friend as well but sent me a note and uh, he said i ordered my sim 2 max driver expected to arrive on monday first use will be wednesday looking forward to putting it in the bag there you go i I thought you were gonna tell me that rudra given that we're just we're talking about the Ryder cup team just sent me a text that brooks kepka's off the team or something no no wait a sec this is a podcast it's not yeah but uh anyway so uh europe and uh i'm not gonna get a chance to watch any of it my whole schedule next week is uh convoluted but um i uh yeah i think it's uh, great i think brooks kepka should be off the team and i don't care about the usa in any shape or form Oh, you went on the record last week as saying you hated them. I don't want them to win. I find it hilarious when they lose. <laughs> oh, me too. Yeah, the, 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 yeah. Talk about you know that bottom lip on those teams. It get, you could like nah. hang hang five coats on those things. Yeah. And I love watching the Europeans jump all over each other. The, the Americans yeah. jump all over each other well too. But I yeah, don't, there's I, something about I love the whole. I love the whole. The, the the way that the Europeans and the fans and the way the fans sing those songs yeah, yeah. and oh it's hilarious yeah the um, I was I was listening to some guys on PGA Tour radio on my way to Kingston on Monday you know breaking it down and talking about you know the USA does well and I know who it was it was Michael Breed who I really like actually oh yeah I like Michael Breed he does a show on Sirius XM uh, PGA Tour Radio and of course he's a famous golf teacher but they were talking about why the Europeans do better and they're just they're good in team and the Americans are good in individual and it's all you know the average world ranking of the Americans are ninth and the Europeans are higher but what it comes down to is that you know, it's that USA hubris, hubris, hubris. Yep. Good word. Um, that they're just Arrogance. the greatest and uh, no one can beat them. But that's not true. It's just a thing. It's because it's like this because you say it doesn't mean it's true. <laughs> you know, they're not the number one. They're not the number one country in anything anymore. Like other than pumping out, you know, Netflix content like. <laughs> They suck at Here's something to hang your hat on. No, it's true though. It's like they they aren't the culture cultural beacon of the world in any manner except for, you know, dopey content. They they suck at pandemics, they suck at politics, and they suck at team golf. And there I thank you. I've said that. There you go. There you go. You have. Um well, you know, in Canada I think suffered that too uh when it came to the great great old great old hockey game for a while. And I think we finally come to see, oh, yeah, Americans are got some good hockey teams, especially the Euros. But I think that, you know, having been involved in university golf and team golf for, gosh, it's seven years now, uh, I can see the difference it makes. And and when you're coming together and we're playing for a team mm-hmm. and you can really see it. And yesterday I could see it in the, in our guys and our girls yesterday, uh, the way that they all just 
really together celebrated and they were just also really happy for each other. Even, you know, we had a couple of high scores among some of our team players. Didn't matter. They were, it was all about celebrating as a team and just really reveling in that. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think team golf is great at every level, but at the professional level. I, I think it is. I think there's a spirit that kids have in university, in uh, amateur golf. I think team golf is great. You know, playing in the Senior Ryder Cup is one of my favorite things, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of playing with a bunch of guys your age. And th- I, I really like it. But I think at the professional level, you've got a bunch of guys on this PGA Tour. You know, until when, wherever it was in the early 80s, you know, I know it seems a long time ago now, but it, it's not that long ago when you're Tim and R's age. Some of our listeners were not born. Yeah. So uh, until the early 80s, the Ryder Cup was just this cute little thing that happened every couple of years and no one cared about. The players didn't care about it. I mean, um, I I was listening to Bree talk about how many guys opted not to play in it, like in the 83 or 85. They're like, whatever, I don't want to. I'm not feeling well. (laughs) And then it changed when... They allowed Great Britain to inc- for the team to also include the rest of Europe. And then Seve said, I'm tired of you guys beating us. We will now beat you forever. <laughs> yeah. Um, Come with yeah. me, amigos, he said. We're yeah, going to beat the under, Americans forever. Took them under his Spanish cape. Yeah. No, yeah, that's it. And once they started to beat the Americans, it was like, whoa. Then, then there became interest. I remember... The, the one that really turned the tide for me was um, the war on the shore at QI. Yeah, 1991. And when Bernard Langer, it came down to that final putt, and there's there's Cal Kivecki on the beach crying. Yeah. Uh, you know, all the drama. Oh, yeah. oh gosh. And I, I just remember, I was actually at work at the Canadian Press at the time. I didn't get a lick of work done that whole day. I was just like in front of my TV going, oh, my God. Are you still feeling guilty about that one day you didn't work as hard as you were supposed to? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for the... (laughs) Thank you for the Jewish person from uh, Moose Jaw asking the Roman Catholic. That's right. Okay, guilty. Excuse me, guilty altar boy. There was that... (laughs) Do you need me to give you some rosaries to do or something to absolve you from... You know what we need? We need... (laughs) We need... It's... Alongside our decade alert, you know, we need like we need a button for the guilt. Oh, we're getting to our guilt oh, segment. Right. <laughs> Listen, man, that's that's some long time guilt. Nineteen ninety one. I didn't get any work day that day's father. And the, the, the priest is like, Tim, I don't have time for all of this. Can you just skip to this year? <laughs> you just yeah, priest goes, skip to priest this. Goes, how's it, yeah, how's that like your life? Just to be carrying around some stupid thing from nineteen hundred and ninety one. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, I will. I, you, I would like to watch it. Uh, it's a drag that my schedule has, uh, you know, turned out the way it has. I am looking forward to playing St. Thomas. I, I told you what I'm going to do after the show is I'm going to call them and beg not to play the back tees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, you know uh, my handicap. They the way they flight it is it's two or less, and you have to play the championship tees. The problem is, you know, I, I would imagine. And I don't know this for sure, but, you know, I would be one, if not one or two of guys in my age category, 50 and above, having to play back there. So I really hope they give me a special seniors uh, discount discount because I it's a lot of golf course for me. 
And you're going to be playing against college kids who are like 20 years old. Yeah. Who they're going to Walmart you. Well, and, and I, know I, don't, I know your ego can take it. Yeah, for sure. Well, barely. But no, it, it isn't even the distance <laughs> problem. It's not their distance beyond me. It's that like like I I don't like I played our club championship a month ago and it was sixty nine hundred yards. Now I know St. Thomas is only another hundred yards, so you know I can handle the yardage. But between the yardage and the greens. It it just exacerbates, you know, I'm coming into those greens with a lot longer clubs. Totally. Lower trajectory. Lower trajectory and missing them is harder. And, and, you know, again, I'm going to go play whether he says I can or not. And I don't know. I think the A flight plays from about 6,600 yards. So it's not a short golf course anyway. That's still 66 is still healthy. It's a lot of, yeah, it's a healthy golf course, especially when you get to be our age. Ah! All right, are you ready to change to our next subject? Ready. Of course, Humble and Fred fans know that uh, Steely Dan is one of my favorite bands. I knew that was Steely Dan. I yeah, of course. I did. Hey, 19, man. Way back it's all about, uh, you know, it's funny. There's a theme in a lot of Steely Dan music. Uh, Donald Fagan in particular. Of uh, older guys dating younger women, which is again another one of the reasons I like this band. <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, so I, I don't know. I don't know where to start here, except to say that I just came home last night from a three-day excursion into the uh, world of uh, you know amateur golf and. Uh, the Canadian, the term, what a twenty twenty one Ontario Senior Amateur, which was won by uh, Ashley Chinner, former PGA Tour member, who now is uh, got his amateur status back. It was crazy. Uh, I was, I'm, it was like I was in a different tournament. Yes, you know, there's the top three guys, the top two in particular, Dave Bunker, who is like the Tiger Woods of geezers, <laughs> and Ashley yeah. Chinner. Who's also the Tiger Woods of geezers. Like these two guys, Dave, Dave Bunker's first two rounds were 66, 65. Exactly. But he shot 74 yesterday. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. and But, you know, got all the power to Ashley. 67, 68, 69. Yeah. Stroke win. Wow. Well, I, and and um, I can tell you the, the golf course for... Uh, for most of the better players, it's not an incredibly difficult course, but it is a tricky course. And I looked at Bunker's scorecard yesterday, and the, the one hole he double bogeyed is a really... There's two holes in the front nine that are a bit tricky, and that's one of them. But it is interesting to me, too, that a guy like Bunker, who just a week ago played, came, I think, got to the semifinals of the USGA Seniors... It doesn't matter who you are, how much high-level golf you've played. We're, we're all uh, subject to pressure and how it manifests itself. Because I really was shocked when I saw it. He, he shot 66-65. 74 was like nine shots worse than, you know, you, know, you don't expect a guy like that to, to have a nine-shot swing. But you know what? You know, it's like we've said this a thousand times. Golf is hard. And you just can never predict what kind of day you're going to have, especially when you get a little pressure on you. Oh, yeah. Well, so. I, I, I got obviously he was playing with Ashley. 
Yeah. So he's saying that, you know, Ashley's having a, Ashley's having a very nice day. Um, what was Ashley's final round? Well, Ashley was 69, 35, 34. Right. Yeah. So he's going to make, so Ashley's all pars, uh, three birdies on the back. Um, his, his first, his only bogey of the day was on number four. So, for, so Dave is struggling a bit on the front and Ashley's yeah. just cruising along. And, and, you know, like you got, oh gosh, he's getting away on me. He's getting, you know, all that, all that stuff, you know, so even Dave Bunker, I'm sure, um, you know, has the thoughts about what's going on. Ab- absolutely. It's impossible not to. And, and, totally. you know, when you've got that big, I'm not sure what his lead was, but, uh, you know, it was a few shot lead that got sort of dissipated very quickly and you know like i said everybody is human and i never got to see bunker in person i did send ash i've known ashley for a long time you know i'm casually i've got a friend who we have sort of a mutual good friend in common and uh i sent ashley a note and said hey congratulations great playing i said i was happy to be 28th runner up you know because i finished 29th you see yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So well, I, yeah, Ashley, um, very good player. I played with, I played with him a bunch of times when I was, uh, I did communications for Club Link. Yeah, yeah. And I learned learned a lot of cool stuff playing with him. It, amazing to watch. Yeah, he's a very good player. And, but you know what? Doesn't do anything. You know, that, that's sort of universal from talking to the guys that know these guys. And and you know, you know. It's not like, oh, my God, they hit so many great shots. It's not that at all. And and this is where the, you know, we're going to start our learning today. It's, you know, it's if you saw Ashley hit a ball and you saw Dave Bunker hit a ball and you saw me hit a golf ball, believe me, there's not I'm not bragging. There's just not much difference. The difference is they just hit. And Lars is a little bit like this, too. They just hit sort of really okay to decent shots all the time. And what I've said this entire season, my best shots yesterday were every bit as good as the best shots that Ashley and Dave Bunker hit. In fact, I hit one shot. I guarantee was was it was such a bizarrely good shot. But my bad shots are just not quite as good as their bad shots. Totally hear you. And that's totally. all the and and that's the big takeaway whether you're playing at the level that these guys are playing at or just your everyday rounds. I've said it all year. You just need to accumulate a bunch of okay shots. If you can keep your bad shots from being terrible, we all, everyone listening is going to hit some good shots in a round, like, you know, whatever that is for you. It's just how many in the middle? How big is that? And, I'll, and, and again, I, I've talked to, I, I spent three days playing with the 2019 senior amateur winner, a great guy named Dave Greenway. And, um, Really interesting character, but I played the practice round with him and my first two rounds with him. He and shot sixty nine. He shot sixty nine yesterday. Yeah. But I we I'll, I will tell you that guy, like a lot of good golfers, you know, is also subject to feeling what we all feel, which is that hot flush of embarrassment when we don't have a good round. Um. I just want to tell you about him for a second. So in the first round I play with him, he shoots 72, I shoot 80. Uh, I'm going to tell everyone my scores. I shot 80, 73, 76. So I, sh- I, we, and I was, you know, I was bummed out. I was, em- not em- I was embarrassed on whatever, whatever we all feel as golfers. I was, a, it was like, I disappointed, all that stuff. 
And then the next day I come back and I shoot 73 and the two guys in my group from the first day that shot 75 and 72, they both shot 77 the second day. The 2019 Ontario Senior Amateur winner shot four shots higher than me. And and it's interesting because we went out for dinner later. He told me that that was one of his toughest rounds he's ever played. And I said, why? And it all had to do with expectations. What are people going to think? I won the tournament. You know, now I'm, I'm having a bad round. All the things we all think. And you know what I said to him? I said, Dave, your fucking face is on a banner as you drive into the, into the tournament. What, exactly. more val- what more validation do you need that you're a good exactly. golfer? But, but that's the problem. And I made him laugh. I go, dude, your face is literally the second thing you see. Because the first banner is Bunker from 2020. The second one is, is Dave. I said, Damon, man, it's hilarious to hear you say that because we all feel that. Except none of us, except for you, are on that banner. And uh, he sent me a nice note yesterday. He said, hey, it was great. Thanks for the talk. I, I thought about what you said about, you know, we talked a little bit more about how good scores aren't about because he still thought good scores come from your golf swing. This is a guy that won the <laughs> stupid thing, and he doesn't even know why. And I said to him, your good scores come from when you focus better. Because he was distracted the front nine of the second round. He had a couple things with business, and he wasn't totally there. And then when he finally sort of clued in, he finished the last ten holes one under par. But the, the takeaway for me in that conversation was, at whatever level you're playing... Your outcomes have so much more to do with the things. I know this is so, you know, we've said it a million times in the show. The outcomes that you're seeking have everything to do with your focus and your ability to do all the other things other than your golf swing. Because his golf swing on the second day looked very similar to the first day. But the first day he had better focus, shoots even par. Second day, not good focus, shoots five over. But we all feel those things, the hot sting of hitting a bad shot and, and all that stuff. Comments, questions, concerns. <laughs> There's so much great learning in that for everyone. This is what I talk about with my university players. So our team, uh, we did really well yesterday. I said, what's the learning? What's the learning we can take from this experience into our next tournament, our next practice? And so much of what you just talked about was just right in that zone of, okay, when you're playing golf, is it about you? Is it about your identity? You know, when you talk about being embarrassed, as soon as you start to become aware of, oh, my gosh, you know, and Dave Greenway, there you go. You got a top player, like you said, the guy's name, faces on the banner, and yet he also succumbs to to that whole thing of like, what are people going to think of me? Oh, yeah. Now, does that mean he's a, <laughs> does that mean that's a character flaw? No, it means he's a human being for God's sakes. We all have this stuff, but it always comes down to in, in elite performance. Is it, how do we respond to this stuff? Oh, I'm aware. I'm thinking about my victory speech. Oh, I'm aware. I'm thinking I hit a shot and I'm going to look like an idiot. Now, what do I do? Yeah. That's the place between stimulus and response. What do I do? And and it's how we go forward from that. So having the thoughts doesn't mean you're weak or stupid. It's how do we respond? And I think that's what that was part of the message I, that you may have imparted on him. Look, dude, if you get some perspective, 
you can kind of smooth out these waters. It's not such a big deal. Well, and, and I, I was you're, you're absolutely right, but I, I was fascinated talking to the guy because it just reminded me uh, of what I said, what you said, which is. You know, I admire this guy. I've played golf with him a few times now. I, I, I beat him in a tournament last year, I thought. And I said that to him. I said, when I beat you, I, I, I want you to know, I felt like uh, it was a feather in my cap. I said, that's who you are. So you don't ever have to worry about shooting 77. Because I said, the other thing is, we all know what that's like. I said, dude, you watched me shoot 80 yesterday. I was so bummed, except I took some solace from the fact that you'd seen me shoot 72 before. You know what I mean? Like, we all feel that way. And he was surprised. I said, yeah, dude, like, everyone in the field, you could shoot 87. And no one no one would think you were anything but a champion because all of us have shot 80 fucking seven. Absolutely. And, and the Sorry the for is, swearing is, twice, but I feel very strongly about this. I can tell. I can tell. <laughs> this, is, this is why our show is, attracts the legions of listeners. It does. And, and if you need to confess to somebody that you were speaking to a Jewish man who swore, I mean, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Please continue, coach. <laughs> well, if there's one thing I think that we can all take from this is as soon as we start to we focus a... I think it was Judson Brewer who used this phrase. As soon as we focus a very tight spotlight on how am I doing? Yes. How do I look? Yep. What are people going to think? Of That's, me. Yeah. Exactly. That is as <laughs> strong a beacon of awareness as you can get that now you are in the very rocky shoals where you can really just – you, well, you're stuck. And and it's like when you start to go to that place, you go, oh, oh I'm, I'm in self-pity. I'm in identity. Just come out of that. You could, it's you need to come out of that. Cause, and, and just – and how do you do that? Uh, breathe, awareness, yeah. look around, engage in conversation. Get what I call outside of yourself. Get in the world of other people, the environment. Because as soon as you're – you got that tight spotlight of, oh, how am I doing and all this – that's just a recipe for really bad golf and not having a good time in your life. No, a hundred percent, as you would say. I agree with you. Many agreements, <laughs> and, and you know, I, I, again, by any measure, I've had a great couple of years of tournament golf, the best I've ever had. And um, you know, now that I've had a, a little bit of chance to think about the week, you know, I, I would say this overall. I played some of the best golf I've ever played in a tournament of this level. I had uh, two things that, well, many things that have never happened to me before, but two in particular on the positive side. It's I, I don't, maybe this will surprise you, but it's the lowest round of golf I've ever shot in a tournament like this. So I shot 73. So I shot seven, thank you. I shot 73 on the second day when I had to, which made it even more satisfying. You had to make a cut. Yeah, I made I, you know, I made the cut by three. But at the time, you know, one when you're playing, I'm not checking my phone or the leaderboard. I just don't. Yeah. But uh, so I did. So that I've never shot lower than seventy three in, in a GAO tournament or a Golf Canada tournament. I've never been under par on nine holes in a GAO Golf Canada tournament. Never did that. Did that on that day. Was about to do it again yesterday until uh, another thing that has never happened to me. But what I want to say about it overall is, 
you know, whether you're playing, and I know I keep saying, whether you play your club championship or even if you're just playing with your buddies on Saturday, it's all the same game. What, what I've gotten good at or better at is being comfortable, being extremely uncomfortable and still playing decent. You know, Fitzsimmons, okay. and I, Fitzsimmons and I talked for a long time, a couple times this week, but yesterday when we had a, a shorter chat about the end, at the end of the tournament, you know, one of the things, and I, you've experienced this, and I hope most people get a chance to experience, there's nothing in golf as satisfying as pulling off a shot under pressure in the moment that you have to pull it off when it counts. And I, I know that's a long thing, but I said to Charlie, you know, I hit two or three shots yesterday in particular that were the some of the best I've hit all summer, and I hit it in that tournament. Like, I'm not joshing. Like, I, you know, we don't often talk about totally particular shots, but there was three shots in particular that were as good as I can hit a shot. I mean, and not just because it's not, I'm not talking about my golf swing, just the moment, the shot, the thought, the where I wanted it to start, where it ended up, the way I thought it through was just amazing. Yes, I hit some shots yesterday that were not so good, but okay. And I had one thing happen that was just such an outlier that I've I've been able to not punch myself repeatedly in the face okay, about so it. I'm going to get so to we, it. I uh, want to come. No, let's park that for a second. Okay. I want to come back we'll to what you were just talking about. Please continue. Yeah. Go. And question: well, Who's that? Tim Tim O'Connor. Uh, swing thoughts. Yes. What's your question for our uh, our top thirty finisher, uh, Mr. Glassman? Yes. Um, I'd like to ask you. I'm not going to ask you anything. I'm going to comment. <laughs> yeah, please comment first. <clears throat> what I so you talked about hitting some shots, you know, under pressure when you needed to. It's really interesting is how we have these moments where we actually get to experience how good we really are. Yes, because most of us are way better than we usually play. Everyone is because we have. So, why? Because, again, we're humans, we're creatures of habit, behaviors, all this stuff that largely causes us to self-interfere. But every once in a while, we just kind of get in this space where we allow our bodies and our minds just to just to flow in it, and it happens. But there's so much value in that. And one of the things that I, at the end of every tournament, as a team, we all basically come in a circle and I ask them, what are you feeling? What was your best shot of the day and what did you learn? So to come back to the shot of the day thing is that there's so much value in not only savoring that experience, but to almost like to close your eyes and relive it. Mm-hmm. What did you feel in your body at the time? What was going on? What, was, what were you feeling what were you in your preparation? And you can kind of anchor that feeling and learn from it because that's when you're, you see how good you really are. And again, you know, you're good regardless of whatever your score is, but at your essence, you're, you're in a, this is you really shining through so you can anchor that experience. So I don't know. I, it, to me, it's just there's so much value at when you have these great shots and these great moments, relive it. Because you can take that forward with you. Yeah, and, and it's something that I've been doing for, you know, a long time where I'm like, you know, as I go to put my head on the pillow at night where GSL gets tired 
and I think about what was that that one shot and how did it feel I'm, I'm going to tell you a couple <laughs> before, before I get to the calamitous ending to all this but I want to tell you a couple things that I was also you know were satisfying for me um, <laughs> e- even though I shot 80 in the first round and even though it wasn't you know the score I wanted um, it really it, it was there was some lots of positives in that round and, and I will tell you that overall and I thought about the 54 holes I just played you know one of the things that Fawcett says that's right decade one of the things that they say in decade and I've said this on the show is that winning <clears throat> winning is a matter of luck but forget the word winning scoring is a matter of luck on the 18th hole on the first day I I hit my drive, and as soon as I hit it, Dave Greenway was like, you know, oh, man, or you smoked that one, or whatever you say when you know you've heard the sound of compression. Mm-hmm. So all I need to do, it's a short par five. All I need to do is par or birdie that hole for 77, par it for 78. I'm sorry, par it for 79. My ball leaves my club, and it's instantly obvious that I've crushed it, except as it's going up, uh, it's a right to left wind and I've hit a right to left shot and it, the wind just blows it enough that it hits a tree and I lose the ball. It hits these two big, there's two big trees like uprights uh, a few hundred yards down the fairway. Mine, hit, the apex of my drive just turned enough, hit the tree. Mm. There's spotters everywhere. No one can see the ball and I have to drop it in a hazard. We, we assume it's in the hazard. And I make a bogey instead of a birdie. So I had a few things like that. Over the course of 54 holes, I would say if we're being, you know, if I gave it a number, I had more bad breaks, which happens in golf, than I had like the the ball bounce in instead of out. I had way more, you know, putts that looked like they were in. I'm not talking about hard lip outs. I'm talking about the soft ones that just glide over the hole. Like, I, I would say I putted great, except for I just didn't get many to go in the hole. So those are the kind of things over the course of 54 holes where you go, okay, I finished 29th, but there's 10 shots in there, things I've, I don't normally do. I have spent the entire season not three putting. On the first day, I three putted four times. Etc. Etc. I know we can all, all golfers can do this, but I'm trying to make the point that good golf, scoring good golf, requires a few breaks from time to time. In the second round, I had a couple of things go my way. In the third round, I had more things go my way, but I had a thing not go my way. So overall, my scores were not indicative of what I felt like I played. And the last thing I want to tell you is the first round. I bogeyed the first three holes in a row. I mean, here's the golf tournament. You've waited, you know, all year. And I go, bogey, bogey. And on the third hole, I hit it in the trees. A volunteer found it for me. And I had a, a, an opening to the green. Now, I'm already feeling a little bit weird because I haven't made a par yet in the 2021 championship. The two guys I'm playing with started par par. And there I am. About to, I, I don't, I'm, I'm in the golf tournament. I haven't made a par yet. But I, I, I know Fawcett would be proud because I said, this is not the time. I've been on the golf course for 45 minutes. So I chipped out sideways, got it on the green, made another bogey. But that bogey made me sort of settle down a little bit. Yeah. And I was, and it gave me the kind of like, okay, I did the right thing. I didn't make a seven because I, I guarantee you three years ago, I would have tried to go for that green. 
through those trees and made a seven. But not making a seven calmed me down for some reason. And I hit my tee shot on the fourth hole, which is a par three to three feet and made a birdie. So now I'm in the golf tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was proud of that. I was also proud how I started the second day. I made six pars in a row. I hit every fairway and every green for the first two hours of the day. Like it was, and I, I sort of proved to myself, oh, okay, I can golf like this under pressure. And so I have a lot of those gifts that I got this week. The takeaways for me was that overall, yeah, I would I felt like I could have been in the top 10 very easily. But I felt like I learned so much from the experiences that I had that I'll just give you a little bit more of a, you know, the next time I'm in a a situation like I got myself into, I'll I'll be a little bit more comfortable, I think. Yeah, exactly. Well, I love what you you said uh, about scoring is accumulation of good shots. And, you know, when we were talking earlier this week, you and I, I forget what day it was, but, you know, this playing in that golf tournament is yet falls into what I called an accumulation of good experiences. Yeah. Cause it's, you just learn and you go forward and you go forward and you go forward. It's always about what did I learn today that I can take forward? One thing I want to ask you. And, and I think yes, Tim relates. O'Connor swing thoughts. Yes. What's your question yeah. for Mr. Glassman? Yes, Mr. Glassman. Um, <laughs> um, the whole thing around, I was kind of thinking of scoring and sometimes it's it's allowing ourselves to be in a position where we can allow shots to happen rather than trying to force them to happen. And I talked about this with one of my players yesterday. Par 5 at St. Thomas. He wants to make a birdie on a par 5. And most players do who play at that level. Uh, so he, um, he hits an approach. He, anyway, he didn't have the best angle but he hit his second shot, his uh, his third shot, about 25 feet. And he's a bit above the hole. And he's, he's thinking, I want to make birdie. Mm-hmm. You know what happens. He puts yeah. it about three five feet past and three putts. Yeah. And I said to him afterwards, I said, I said, uh, you, you were trying to force it there, weren't you? And he goes, yeah. And I said, that's just not going to work out too well. <laughs> it's more of a situation where you want to be in a position where you could allow something to happen. And so you you trundle it down there. It doesn't mean you're being overly cautious or anything like that. Or This just means you're being smart. Or, or tentative, yeah. yeah. It's playing smart golf. And so you put it down there, and if the thing happens to fall in, great. A hundred percent. But if you just leave yourself with a nice little easy tap in, great you're out of there because you don't want to bogey a par five well and the, the point of it all is that you know f- fives aren't par is not a bad score that's why they call it par but but trying to sink a 25 footer is you know gives you sometimes you're going to run it by and then you're going to miss the five footer and now you've not not just see par you don't lose at that level you don't you, you probably lose such an a, a, a point 20 you know 20 uh, 20th of a point Strokes gain to the field. But exactly. a, a bogey, you lose 1.2 strokes to the field. And so, you know, the takeaway, again, we've said this a hundred times on the show, millions, hundreds, thousands. <laughs> Stop trying to make birdies. Stop yeah. trying to force 20, because 25 footers on the PGA Tour, they sink them, I don't know, 5% of the time. And they're the best on the planet. Um, 
I will say this though, Greenway, man, he sinks a lot of putts. Just a lot of putts. Well, good players do. <laughs> Absolutely um, they do. Yeah. Like Justin Allen, the guy who shot 63. Yeah. Every short putt, bam. Yeah. I'm not talking about short putts. I'm talking about this Greenway guy. Oh, exactly. Uh, but 20, putters yeah. have ways of getting the ball in the hole. Like my four-foot putts, um, I'm, I, I'm pretty good. They don't miss a lot of them. I just don't make a lot of 15- and 20-foot putts. On the second day... It was great. So there's three of us in the group. There's me, Greenway, and a guy named John Ward, also a very, very fine player. And uh, But they didn't have as good a day on the second day as I did, and they, I could see they were struggling a little bit. But we come to the 13th hole. I'm playing nicely. Um, but so I, he's got a 35-foot putt. I have a 20-foot putt, and John's in there tight five feet. Greenway sinks his 35-footer. And by this point, I am, I'm like jokingly pissed at him. I'm like, all right, just enough of you already. And it, was, it happened to be one of the scoring holes. So there's a, a few extra volunteers. So they all applaud. And I'm like, oh, and I started joking. and go, enough. Don't encourage him because he's been sinking putts all the way around. But I'll tell you what it did to me. It pissed me off a little bit, to be honest with you. I'm nice, like, nice. I was like, fuck this guy and his 35-footers. I sink mine. And I so I pointed Look him. I pointed him. I pointed them, and then Dave and I both laugh and go over to you, John. And and he's only got a five foot putt, and he's like shaking <laughs> over it, and he sinks his putt too. So there Isn't we were that in the awesome. in the middle of this golf tournament, acting like douchebags that are playing Saturday morning. It was really a nice. It was a great example of being able to enjoy yourself while also grinding over every shot. Exactly, and isn't that to me? Those are some of the greatest. Uh, yeah. boy, some of the greatest gifts we can get from golf is the stories we can tell afterwards, and those moments. Those are the things. Quite frankly, you'll remember that story more than the fact oh, yeah. that you shot a certain score. That's that's again. If we can kind of allow ourselves to have this perspective on golf, we can get. You have all this amazing stuff happen, and, but it was a great. And, and for me, also, it kind of is a great. Example of me uh, being out of my own head for a few minutes to enjoy the Absolutely. moment. And, and even though, you know, at that point, I didn't know if I was going to make the cut. But at that point, I was like, we were, we, we were, as you would say, I was engaged. We were all engaged with each other. We weren't just robots playing golf. And again, it was just one of those things where I guarantee you there was four or five volunteers. That's the story they'll be telling of the three guys that all made birdies. And um, it was just really a nice, so it was a good pairing for me, even though the first day, I, and we all went out, that's another thing I don't normally do that I did, is after shooting 80, I didn't sit and isolate in my hotel room and beat myself up. I went out for dinner with a bunch of people, including those guys, and because I, somewhere inside of me, I, I have been validated enough as a golf player to know that, yes, I shot 80 and it sucked, but... I don't need to prove to anybody I can golf. Um, yeah, but you validated it to yourself. Right. You didn't need to. It wasn't based on anything. Oh, I've shot this score. Now I'm taken seriously as a player. Now I'm the 27th ranked Ontario player in Ontario. I, I, I would say that has zero to do with your ability to just be comfortable with yourself no matter what happens. I just want, I just want to leave this because what you talked about there, he makes the 35-foot putt. And you like make a joke out of it, oh, yeah. you know, that, because you're in, as you said, you're engaged. You're outside of yourself. 
Contrast that with what can happens all the time. Someone makes a thirty-five foot putt. The person and the other person goes, "Damn it! I'm not making any thirty-five foot putts. I yeah. suck. Today is bad. Oh <laughs> That's my right. god, that happens absolutely. And, and, when we, and when you're in that place, uh, it, it ain't any fun, and you're not really capable of playing some good golf either. Well, and as I said to him after we were going to the next hole, I said, you know, and I told him again at our dinner the next the, the next. Or that night we, we had dinner together. I said, you know, I know I joked about that with you. I said, but it did inspire me. I was yeah. like, because I did. I said to myself, fuck this guy. I want to make that. Because I, I was, and it was a straight putt. Mine, mine was, it could have been a little more. It was like maybe 23, 4. I don't know what it was. But it was a long putt. And it was the first long putt I'd made. But part of me was like, okay. You know, I'm going to, and, and I love did, it. And, and I just got the, I just said to myself, just get this thing to the hole, you know, like as the, the, the greens there were very good. They were weird because the ball it was, they were really soft, but they rolled. They were not St. Thomas fast, but they rolled more. Yeah. Like there's a visceral feeling with your feet sometimes that it, it, it didn't make sense to my brain how soft the, I was leaving everything short. Uh, yeah. And uh, so at that time, I just said, okay, get this to the hole and went in. So, but the, the, the takeaway was I was still able to, even in serious golf, like I, I, I really enjoy the, 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 the camaraderie because, you know, there's, there's not many people that know what that feels like to be nervous and have people watch you. And, and there's people all around the golf course at, uh, yeah, yeah, yes. I had a couple of guys that followed me periodically through the three days because they knew I was humble. They were humble and Fred fans, but they were golf guys too. They lived there at this uh, community. Yeah, yeah. But yesterday was really cute. After the ninth hole, uh, there was a bunch of people because that was another scoring hole. And what I mean by that is there's people taking your scores every couple of holes. Yep. So um, there was a few more people than normal. Anyway, I get up there and there's a guy and he comes over. He goes, oh, you know, I'm humble and Fred fan. I said, oh, that's great. Nice to meet you. He says, do you mind if I follow you for a few holes? I'm like, sure. <laughs> I said, you know, prepare for bitter disappointment, but sure, if you want to. <laughs> And uh, this guy and another guy, I had my own gallery. I had two guys, Dennis and Bruno. They just followed me the entire way. So that was kind of unusual, having strangers watch you play golf. So there's all of that. <laughs> That's just different than, you know, playing Saturday morning with your friends. Yeah. Um, so are you ready? Are we, are we ready to tell the, 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 the thing that's never happened to me in 50 years of playing golf? Yeah. I, I, but I just want to say, yeah. people, allow yourself to play competitive golf. You can have so much fun and have experiences like you just talked about. That's all. Yeah. Go. I want uh, let's, no, so let's, let's dive about, into no, this. Let's just, you brought that up. Uh, you know, I read an article. I can't remember where it was. Oh, I know what it was. It was in my, I have this app called Imagine Golf. And it's just little three and four minute vignettes and stories. What they basically do is just read golf books out loud. And in one of, <laughs> and in one of them, they said that. Oh, we, we could do that. We should, actually. They said that everyone at least once should play golf competitively. Just even if it's your club championship or your, you know, some, you know, event but to sign yourself up for it because it feels different. It's like, it's like, oh, I know yeah. it's, it's cliche to say that Bobby Jones said it a thousand years ago, but he said there's golf and then there's tournament golf and they're not the same game. Um, I played. And, yeah, ex- absolutely. So hang on your thought, but no, I, don't I have any more two, thoughts. I had two guys at blue Springs this year that I played in matches that had, it was their very first experience playing competitive golf. Mm-hmm. 
and they were nervous as hell and it was just fun i just said you know just absorb this for as much fun and experience as you can and i kind of helped them out with in some situations you know oh don't pick up your ball don't pick up your <laughs> you ball know, things like oh don't touch your don't ball do this careful you know um but they ended up at the end of the they loved it and yeah. they ended up joining like our little hustlers group which is competitive and all that stuff so yeah allow yeah. yourself to get nervous yeah when you have to turn in a score at any level but when you when you when you're in a situation where your score is going to be recorded and other people and you're going to expose or you know put yourself out there is the phrase um it just it's it's really an interesting it'll be an interesting experience for people i think takes it takes golf to another level yeah. of enjoyment i think so but it's it's uh, it's it can be challenging so yeah let's dive into this well this is, uh, okay so uh first round i i needed to i didn't know what i needed to do to make the cut i just noticed i knew that if i had shot you know, again, I didn't have a target score. I just knew that if I played better, uh, chances are I might make the cut. As it turned out, I made the cut by three. But when you're out on the golf course, you don't know that. And I I shot uh, two under on the back nine of the second round and just lipped out on the last hole to shoot even par. I had a, a nine-foot putt, left it short. And, even um, par for the round. Even par for the round. And so, uh, but I was pretty happy and I leave, you know, I left the green knowing that, um, you know, I didn't even add it up in my head. I just knew that 80, 73 would probably make the cut. And it did. In fact, here's a cool fact that I I was proud of, of the, uh, of the many people that shot 80 in the first round or over eight of the many people that had an eight in the the first number, uh, only four of us made the cut. Like it's not easy to go 80, 73. Because, uh, you know, it's just, it's not. So yesterday, uh, I start off, and we had a fog delay. And um, we had to wait about an hour. And uh, when I teed off, uh, you, could, you could see the fairway, but it was still a bit hazy. And I, and I hit a really, really nice drive. But I, I'm, here's, here's how foggy it was still. My, our range finders wouldn't hit the, um, the light oh, on. Oh, so I only say that because I wasn't 100% sure how far it was. It was like 162, could have been 169. I wasn't sure. I, I hit a beautiful second shot. It was just 10 yards too long, and I couldn't get it up and down. I made a bogey. But no big deal. In fact, I bogeyed four of the first five holes yesterday, and I didn't even know it. The best part is I wasn't even aware till after the round that I, because I was like, where did I make my bogeys? Oh, yeah, I made a bunch of them. But I didn't really register any of them because, you know, that one was a little bit of an anomaly. The fourth hole, I was in a bunker, but because you, 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 we're, we're playing ball down in the bunker, you know, we're not touching golf balls anymore there. So I was in, the, in between a ridge in the rake mark. Mm-hmm. The ball was oh. literally sitting down below the surface. So I just got it on the green, made a bogey there. No big deal. But from the seventh hole to the 18th hole, I had every fairway and every green. I was one under at that point through the rest of the round. So there I am again. I'm under par on the back nine. I'm almost done the round. I kill my drive on 18. It's a 490-yard par five, but it plays shorter because it's got a bit of a dog leg. So effectively, it's more like 470. So I hit a very good drive, and I have 205 yards to the green. And, um, you know, I go through every... I'm excited, obviously, because I've hit a very good drive. 
And um, and because there's a hazard right in front of the green, but it's only about 170 to carry, so there's another 30 or 40 yards to the green, I'm not going right at the flag, but I'm going for the green because I... You know, I said to myself, like, you know, <laughs> if you can't carry their hybrid 165, you probably shouldn't be in this tournament. As a joke. Anyway, but I play the smart shot. I aim to the right and I hit a beautiful little draw. One of my favorite shots of the tournament. And I'm 40 feet from the flag just off the green. I'm pin high. I've done every. And as I'm driving up to the green, you know, I'm, I'm not getting too far ahead of myself. And there's a bunch of people there. And I'm thinking, you know what? <clears throat> Good for you. Tournament's over. The worst I'm going to shoot is 73 because I just, if I, if I don't get it up and down, I shoot. No, I'm sorry. The worst I'm going to shoot is 74. If I make a par in the last hole, I shoot 74. But it's the kind of shot where, you know, it's so close to the green that I have a high likelihood of getting it up and down. But because there's a rule official, I walk over to my ball and my stance is right on top of the sprinkler head in the green. So I go, okay, now's the time not to screw around. I asked him to come over. I said, you just want to make sure I'm doing the right thing oh. here. I want to make sure that I'm, you know, dropping this correctly. I know how to do it. If it was on the 15th hole, I wouldn't have asked anyone except my playing partners. So sure enough, he comes over. He shows me how to drop it, just like you see on TV. He put the tee in the ground, two club lengths, and then I pick up the ball, and it's not my ball. The next 15 minutes... <laughs> Are a bit of a blur to me because I uh, I failed to mention too in my description that the two I was right next to this other guy who was you know shooting a lot you know he was going to end up uh, he parred the last hole for seventy nine so I, and the other guy was similar so you know it was you know I was the one playing well in the in the group I was the one that had you know was about to shoot the lowest score by a lot. And I felt, so I I see that it's his ball. And and I'm like, I did everything over that shot. I calculated every, uh, I had a target. I did everything I could do except look and see that it was my ball. We hadn't been anywhere near each other for 18 holes. And again, when I say that, you know, good scoring requires luck, it was just unlucky. Yes, I... Unlucky in the fact that the first time in the 50 years I've played golf, I did this on the 51st. Really? Yes. First time? First time in 50 years. But it happened oh, to me on the 54th hole of a tournament where I was looking to shoot another low round. So I have to go. We both have to. And I felt bad for him. I mean, it was a difference did he hit between. the wrong ball, too? He, of course he did. Because wow. he had my the ball. the likelihood of that? Well... And, and what is the likelihood that neither of us checked the ball? Because we, exactly. we, we were only That's three or four. We were three or four yards away from each other. But mm-hmm. I saw I just saw a Titleist and he and I didn't see the underside of the ball. To be honest with you, it, it I I just it was just, you know, and I've thought a lot about it. I think part of my brain was already ahead of like I had all. I, I, I wasn't ahead of the shot. I was just. It just never would have occurred to me to look at the golf ball. So he. It's. We have to go back to the spot now. Of course, I'm not. I. I. I don't know even how I hit that shot. So I. I don't go for the green again. I hit it basically short and right this time. And then I get up there and I have about a 30 yard pitch and I hit it 10 feet by the hole and then I have to. <laughs> then I miss that putt and I make seven. I make five. I should say. With a two-stroke penalty. 
So when I tell you I could have been 10 shots lower than I was over three days, there's two shots right there. Oh, there's okay. those two shots plus the four three putts plus the tree I hit where we couldn't find the ball, etc. Oh, buy it. And I also shanked one. In, in round one, I also, you know, uh, the ball was sitting above my feet and I went to chip it out or, you know, t- hit a little chippy shot and I just shanked it. So I-, I know in my heart that I can shoot the scores necessary to be in the top 10 in these tournaments. I just am. But in that situation yesterday, and yeah, I was a little bit, uh, I don't want to say devastated because that's too dramatic, but I was, I was a bit bewildered by it all, but I still... Signed my card, put my clubs away, went and had a burger with the guys. And, you know, they all felt bad for me. But the thing about golfers, and back to my point about Dave Greenway feeling bad about his score, everyone at the table that I was at after the round had done it. Everyone has done it. I've had it. I've been in a group where it's happened in my club championship three or four years ago. I was in second place, and the guy that was beating me played my ball by mistake. Mm -hmm. So I've seen it. It's just never happened to me, and it was a drag that had happened on the very last hole of the tournament because I was about to make a four, and I made a seven. So there's three shots, there's four shots, three putts. I could just go through the round and show you that. It wouldn't have been out of the ordinary for me to shoot three rounds of 74 because I'm. It's it, you know I, I could have done it. I didn't, but I could have done it. But I certainly could have shot lower than the score I posted yesterday if I hadn't played the wrong ball and i'm going to finish by saying if you play the game long enough everything will happen to you absolutely <laughs> absolutely. absolutely everything well, will happen yeah the thing that 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 i immediately thought of is yeah bummer uh that'd be certainly a disappointing way to end uh, a great week yes. for you but it was really <laughs> just one it was really just one hole yeah out of 54 I know. and you had played you played really two good tournament rounds. And so, you know, you just kind of chalk that one up again to, uh, to learning capital L learning. Um, you know, it's interesting. Um, yeah, it happens to everybody. Uh, but I made, I made my, um, the marks I put on my ball, uh, bigger, uh, this year. And, uh, part of it is like, so when I get to my ball, I can usually always see my mark on it. But I don't know. Well, listen, I don't know how much more I could. <laughs> this is so funny because I have a long blue line on mine and two dots. And I saw none of that when I hit ah. that shot. Like it is so again, I, I thought about like where, weird. where was yeah. my brain? You know, I, 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 I would. I, I could describe what we all go through on every shot. Like, you know, I'm, I was telling somebody yesterday, my buddy Al, I said, you know, when you like all three rounds were four hours and 45 or 50 minutes. It's because mm. it's 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 a tournament and every shot you take out your yardage book. Where's the pin? What's the yard? What's the carry? What? How many yards by? The, and then like it takes a while to do that on every shot with three guys. So I did everything on that shot. And when I was when I went over the, the first time I hit it, I felt so comfortable with what I had decided to do. I made a beautiful swing. You know, I was really keyed in on where I wanted to hit it, why I was hitting that shot. And, and there's a freedom in that. And then to find out that it wasn't my ball, I was like, well, that would have been something you might want to. I, I mean, sh- how did I miss that? Well, I did. Exactly. Well, then we can just I put did. it back down to accumulation of experiences. 
You know, and you're not going to do that for many, many well, years. I will in the go same to my way. grave never having done it again. Never. Yeah. Well, it's the same way when I when I still um, when I go to lo- uh, close my trunk. I have this habit. I do this. I just do this thing where I go like this. I go. I have my car keys in my left hand, and I look at them. Yeah. And I, while I'm looking at my keys, I put the trunk down. I love that. <laughs> I love it because man. I did. Of course, I did that thing before. <laughs> uh, I know we're over time, but I want to tell you one more thing that you will love. Yeah, I got to be, gotta yeah. be quick. I okay. got to get going. Well, I got to get going, too. Um, I'll just say this, that uh, <laughs> that I, I did some really good breathing during the entire oh, thing. Awesome. Really, really good. And it really, especially, you know, the, the better I was, the better scores came from better awareness. And I, I, I thought I would tell Coach Tim that, that I had great awareness of my body, uh, Better the fat, better the second two days than the first, and it re- just to give you some props that you know I know you talk a lot about you know the awareness and where you are and but I'll tell you there's really a lot of magic in that there's mm. a lot of magic in and this book I recommended to, to you that I've been reading uh, as well called Breathe for Golf it's called Breathe, Breathing Golf Breathe Breathe Golf Jane's story yeah, Jane's story and I, I would tell you it really is the the glue that can bring your golf game together. Because yeah. as Coach Tim has said many times in this program, if you're not, if you don't have awareness of your physical self, you're so in your head, all that emotional turmoil. But the breathing can help wipe that away. It's almost like an etch a sketch. It helps it sort of shake it to a to a degree where, especially yesterday, I really wasn't thinking about any swing thoughts over the ball. Awesome. I had yeah. a couple things I was you know, unaware of, like I'm making sure, I, I, one of them was where are you aimed? Because I would tell you when I aim too far right, I block and do a lot of bad things. So I was really careful about my aim, but over the ball, I was really aware of my breathing and my body just, as you've said, just knows what to do. I hit so many shots unconsciously yesterday, just unconscious of positions of my arms. I couldn't have told you. And I, I'm telling you, I hit. Like I told you, I, I hit 14 greens in regulation yesterday, and 15 wow. on two on on the second round. All and and just being aware of where I was in space. So thank you, sir. Oh well, thank you, and and thanks to uh, Charles Fitzsimmons uh, last week, who talked about that in uh, winning the Canadian Minam. And uh, interesting, uh, I uh, that's what today's blog on O'ConnorGolf.ca is about. Is um, how Charles and how you uh, can use your breathing, um, just as you talked about. It, it just, really just, is something. It, yeah. and, and I don't, I don't, I know I don't, you know I don't poo poo it, but I would say sometimes I don't think we give it enough uh, attention because it really is the it really is the secret sauce for you for you to hitting better shots when you're a bit uptight, which is most of the time. Totally. Yeah, cool. All, All right. right, man. There you go. Um, thank you very much, JWApparelInc.com. And thank you, as always, our uh, title sponsor. And, uh, you know, hopefully for uh, many uh, seasons to come, TaylorMadeGolf.ca. O'ConnorGolf.ca is where you can subscribe to Tim's blog. And, of course, the Humble and Fred Show back on uh, Monday, September 20th with all new episodes. See you next time, everyone. All right. Oh, but the horns, they blow in that sound.